Hello, everybody. Today is uh, Wednesday, July 26, 2023, and this is the Tell Me About Your Tech Job podcast. I'm Tom Imboden, the iTech 350 Summer 2023 class. And today we have, again, another former student of mine, uh, a guy who has uh, from Southern Illinois, born and raised here. Yes, sir. Awesome. Uh, grew up in Southern Illinois, stuck around to, to work here and and doing some cool stuff since he graduated. And uh, I uh, am happy to have you on here because you are, you know, there's a couple really big employers in Southern Illinois, um, SIU being one and SIH being the other, especially if we talk about Carbondale proper, you're there with the SIH shirt representing and uh, maybe the term representing is too formal, but wearing the shirt, you work for them. And uh, Taylor, uh, thanks for coming on and thanks for talking to my class. I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Um, so first of all, just introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you like to do for fun. Yeah. Hey, Tom. Uh, glad to be here. Enjoyed the classes and enjoy the conversations. So I'm Taylor Coloni. Um like Tom said, grew up, born and raised Southern Illinois. I have, after graduating SIU, I worked for SIU in their IT department for a couple of years and then transitioned over to SIH's security team. Um, that's about as far as work goes. Uh, as far as hobbies go, I'm a pretty big car guy. I like stepping away from technology occasionally. Uh, I've got a uh, 68 Chevelle that I inherited from my grandpa and I still own my first car of a 91 Camaro that I autocross and race sometimes. Um, pretty big sports guy too. Uh, my picture is going to be me at the inaugural home match for St. Louis City SC. Um, okay so I'm taking I'm putting a caption. I usually don't do captions but now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I spent the big bucks. I had to be there for the first one lose my voice that's cool now have you always been a big soccer fan did you play soccer growing up i i played soccer growing up here locally uh west frankfurt has like a little league team or they did um and then i did transition to some carbondale division as a kid no idea okay. what it was called but i did have to drop it uh for my team sports so i i dabbled around with soccer fandom uh, but now that city's here, uh, it's all grown back up. Cool. What did you play? Uh, did you play sports in high school? Yeah. So going to Christopher, we're pretty small school. So we had the basically standard fall, winter, spring sports. So I did football for one year, uh, basketball for all four and track for all four. Okay. So you're probably faster than me if we had like a foot race challenge. Probably as long as neither of us get hurt. Okay, well, I can't guarantee that for myself, that's for sure. <laughs> Getting old stinks. Yeah. Awesome. So we'll talk more about some of these things, the car stuff, for sure. I like to hear about cars. Um, mm -hmm. So growing up, have you always been interested in technology? No. Uh, it. I've always been fascinated by it, and it's always kind of came natural, but I never considered it a career choice. And I tell my wife and family that all the time. It was it was never, I, I want to do this. This is where I want to be. It was 
always on the back end of, oh, you know, I, I can fix this. I can do that. You know, I grew up with, you know, video game consoles that you had to put on channel three or find okay. the right AV connection. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And IT just kind of fell in my lap. Just like the cat there. Yes, I got <laughs> this cat who's a good co-worker and my dog is somewhere behind me. There she is. I saw the dog a minute ago. Yeah. <laughs> and that'll be that'll be a treat for those who are watching this in class and, and not on the podcast. There's there's yes. a dog and the cat, just so you guys know. <laughs> um, so did did Christopher have technology classes? I imagine Christopher is pretty small for those of you outside the region. Yeah, it's I think a total uh, of 250 around their students. Our graduating class had about 67. Um and no, the only tech classes they had when I was there uh, was an intro to computing, which taught you how to type, how to use Word and Excel. My junior year was probably the first introduction to any tech. Um, one of, well, my basketball coach was our computer instructor. And the district was throwing out all of the old white flat Dells from like the early 2000s. And he created a class like a hardware class of, Hey, let's, let's rebuild as many as we can see what we can do with them. And that was my first kind of introduction to, I guess, rebuilding a machine that was broken and throwing Linux on it, which I didn't know even existed <laughs> at that okay. time. Okay. What distro was it? Do you remember? It, there was no GUI. So I think it was an early version of Ubuntu if I remember. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was, that was, that was wild. And those of you who have recently picked up Linux, uh, you have it easy um, because getting stuff to run was such a pain back then. Yes. Um, and really, I think, was a, a barrier to a lot of people adopting and getting, you know, and, and, and digging into it more than, you know, just uh, just just uh, dipping their toe in the water back back then. Today, it's it's beautiful. Um, yeah. Whenever, whenever I did that, it, it did scare me. And mm -hmm. then, you know, I, I didn't really touch IT classes until late in my associates at Ren Lake College. Uh, but then whenever at SEO, I was like, okay, I have to dive back into Linux. I have to know how this works. And firing a virtual machine took 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Yeah. It was just like, oh, this isn't the same Ubuntu I know. So I, I like I, I like hearing about um, you know so so often it seems like the schools um, in in the you know local Southern Illinois you know Southern Illinois is a, a rural area and and a lot of schools have very limited resources and so technology oftentimes I see is brought into the classrooms or created like you just talked about because somebody has an interest in teaching the kids or the students about this stuff and they. They started, um, and that's what happened to you. So do you want to shout out that instructor? Yeah, um, it was Eric Stallman. Cool. Um, I, I don't know if he's still doing computer classes. I've been meaning to reach out to the school and actually see if I can speak or maybe interest people in technology there as well. Do it. That's awesome. That's really cool. Um, so after graduation from Christopher High School, and I'll I'll tell you, I spent I spent some time in Christopher recently. My daughter was on Dirt Dogs this last year. Oh, so, nice. So we were, yeah. So I got to walk around while she was at practices. And yeah, 
and, and sample a couple of the whatever the the diner is the diner uh right on 148 the maid right yes yep yeah got grilled grilled cheese there not too long ago yeah wasn't the best grilled cheese i had but it served its purpose that at that day right but you went to ren lake um yes. ren lake college and ren lake college is another community college uh, about uh, about an hour from carbondale up the road um and and they've recently well we got chris up there that's that teaches um but they recently have had some people transition to retirement um you went and did generals mostly there or did you get into any of the tech stuff uh yeah i did generals straight out of high school um typical lost kid uh didn't know what i wanted to do so i i did generals took a year or so off and then as i was finishing those i just took a cisco networking class with and Ricky? yeah and i was like this seems fun and okay. then moved to siu and transferred there and yeah that that was a big step from you know one networking class to the full full ensemble of what was isat yep and and now we're itech which is i think even better a better yes. fit for us um but ricky uh what's ricky's last name oh i don't remember now i can't either for some reason i'm thinking henderson but that's a baseball player um but but he yeah a lot of students uh from Rand Lake went through that Cisco program good program um Cisco programs at the community college always do a, a good job it seems and um happy to be kind of partners with Rand Lake um love getting to go visit and speak with 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 faculty and students up there um so you come to SIU and did you 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 knew after taking that networking class that you wanted to do more tech tech work and and I sat or IST was was uh, what drew your your uh, interest as a major. Um, mm -hmm. Tell us about kind of some of your experiences uh, in the classes, and then talk to us about your role as a student worker. So yeah, the classes were as, as a transfer student and having minimum knowledge. Uh, the instructor in the it, with multiple classes and the classes themselves were very nice. Uh, I'm sure you remember I did struggle at the beginning with a lot of the work that was done, but you, Hagee, Sism, uh, Nancy Martin did such a wonderful job of making sure us as the students understood the information. Um, and what really drew me to security was I forgot the number to your course, but it it was that lab you have uh, in the building where, you know, we just did MMAP scans or followed the labs of stuff like that. That really drew me to, oh, hey, you know, stuff's vulnerable, offense, defense, the competitive sports side of me really drew to that. That was our our ethical hacking, or now it's called intro to cyber operations. It was... Yeah. Um, was called something else 316 was the class back then it's it's 228 now but yeah that's that's a fun one i like this class when i get to talk to everybody but that one um and and one of my favorite things i think to teach is the the nmap stuff and and just digging into the protocols and how they work and uh i think one of the biggest things that's like a light bulb for students is really understanding is is when they get the when they get the concept and they get this this kind of fundamental concept that a port 
that's open, you know, that's a, you know, what is it? It's a number. It says open. Okay. What is that? It means there's a software or a service running on a remote computer, just like any other software service running on your computer that's waiting for systems to talk to it, you know, and, and there's tons of these different processes and they are mapped within the computer to ports so that they can be communicated with. Um, and so I really like teaching that class. It's a lot of fun doing the scans. And, uh, we really dig into it and concentrate on that in that class. Um, how did you get into working with, uh, was network engineering, right? So, so that was Jay Anderson. Okay. Great guy to work with too. I yep. was desktop support uh, my entire student work okay. career and SIH career post hire. Um, so, were you desktop support for OIT or for another campus unit? OIT. Okay. Uh, so I started at the student services building under Amy Rendelman. Um, I just I threw my app in and. There was an individual, you know, networking takes over from there. Um, so there was an individual that knew my mom, knew some other folks, and they were like, let's bring them on and test him. So started a student work there while attending classes. Uh, that, that really opened up a lot more knowledge and experience that I desperately needed. Um, I got to see a full enterprise running while attending. Um, and I, I really enjoyed learning because I could take what I just learned in class that day and apply it to what I was working on, whether it was hardware related, networking related, security related. I didn't touch too much security as desktop support, but a lot of the break fixes I could really implement that day, which really stuck with me. And sometimes when you're doing that type of work, you notice things like, oh, uh, maybe I should just double check, make sure the AV is updating properly and run. Let's double check and make sure Windows Update doesn't have some things that are stalled or, or whatnot, you know. So, so yeah, once you get in that mindset that, you know, things are, you got to do a lot of stuff just to make sure that things are at the right, you know, kind of base level. Yeah. Um, that that security, I think, never leaves Yeah. You know, once you once it starts, once it's in your at high, at least I hope it doesn't. Um, so good. So so a, a good experience working at SIU as a student worker. Mm -hmm. And and then you want to talk about your first job out of school real quick. Yeah. Um, yeah. So with SIU hiring me full time, you mean? Or, or before that, do you want to talk about the law firm? Oh, boy. Or we can uh, skip whatever you want. Yeah, the law firm was going to be my first introduction outside of being a familiar entity to me. Um, I did do, that was supposed to be an independent contractor position, so I guess that was my first business side of, of items okay. outside of what I know. Um, so yeah, so I guess the biggest thing there was I came in, the former sysadmin, he knew what he was doing in the sense of legacy IT. Uh, there were a lot of backdoor items that were extremely vulnerable. And uh, one of my favorite things that I had to deal with immediately was I asked where the server was for their file share. It was an old compact computer in a basement. In mm. uh, the basement, it was not a well-kept basement. Water, moisture, 
not really suitable for servers. Uh, so I, I immediately moved them to a cloud-based file system because they had three locations. They were all connected with proxy VPN setups across that just broke daily. Um, so that was kind of thrown to the fire. Uh, I learned a lot, but I do not want to go back to something like that. <laughs> I hear you. I remember one job I had and found uh, I, I didn't know exactly where things were kept, but then looked over and I see this machine and it come to find out just sitting on the ground is the mail server for a couple hundred people. Um, so, so yeah, that happens. Um, but the, the, the important thing is that as it professionals, when you see those things, you, you either fix them or make a plan to fix them, or at least, you know, share what you know with whoever is responsible so that they can make the plan to fix them if it's not within your, you know, scope of responsibility. So, so cool. So you learned some, some new stuff, you figured out kind of what it was like to, to run your own kind of uh, your own show. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and did, do you want to talk about that? Your, your, your side business right now? Sure. Uh, yeah. So, and it's, it's, this is going to jump around a bit, but after I left SIU in the desktop support tier two, tier three role and joined SIH and cyber security, I didn't want to lose that break fix mentality or the information and experience I gained there. So my wife and I discussed things to do. Family members would, you know, as an IT professional, you are the IT support for your family and friends. Um, and friends of friends and and friends of friends and community <laughs> members yeah, and, 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 and the church. And yes. <laughs> okay. And uh, so we thought, you know, why not? actually help the local community with that uh, because I think the closest IT support or general IT support is maybe Heron or Energy Carbondale area and for Christopher you know that's a 35 minute drive or so and mm -hmm. it it was just something that I wanted to help people with this with the security mindset and the scammers out there today everyone's elderly family members keep getting hit with phishing links and you know microsoft needs to remote into your computer and Ooh, you know, not that one and take all your money and so i i actually had an aunt and uncle who luckily they did not get scammed but this is what tipped the iceberg to creating my side business of colony computer repair to help people um either help them with their, you know, laptops that are broken instead of spending money on a new one. Hey, bring it to me. Let me see what I can do for you. Or if, if they do have someone remote into their machine and they're scared, they don't know what's going on. I, I'm, I'm that hand. I can help out. And that's just, that's where it's been from there. It's been a real, a real joy to see and help people and be, they just hear how thankful they are that, so there is somebody not trying to scam them in the IT world and trying to help them. That's that's huge um, because you know I I you know I did side work uh, by for myself for a long time uh, up until well 
I'm going to, I'm going to save this for next week because I'm actually going to be interviewed on the podcast by somebody else, um, nice. which one of my students kind of suggested. So I'll talk more about that. But, you know, one thing I always hated was when somebody had something going on with their computer and we're in Carbondale. So, you know, the first thing, especially if it's somebody from outside the area, geek squad, we're going to yep. geek squad, right? Cause Best Buy's on the side of town. They got a big sign. Everybody knows they're there. And, you know, immediately it's like 150 bucks, wipe the operating system. Don't care what the problem is. That's what we're going to do. Um, and I'm sure, you know, that's just a blanket statement. I know, I, I know for a fact that there's some folks that worked at Geek Squad who are students, good folks, but, you know, you get my point. The, yeah. the one size fits all. This is what has to be done to fix your computer. It's going to be a ton of money, right? And, and that just is painful to watch people who who don't have $150 to spare on a computer that you know that that's got some sort of silly thing that how long does it take somebody who knows how to do it to wipe and operate and, and reinstall an operating system and do you know you can do that while you're watching the soccer game you know yeah. 50 bucks that's you know whatever so and, and yeah that that's about what I do I I charge a flat rate by the hour I don't you know I IT professional. I could sit here nickel and dime. I had to install this, do that, troubleshoot for 40 minutes. You know, who wants to do that? So yeah. I, yeah, I, if I, when I do have say data transfers that are coming from an old hard drive, I start it, walk away. Like you said, go to the soccer game, run around, do whatever, let it do its thing. Yeah. Cause, cause you know, there are people, people are not businesses with tons of money that you should be charging $125 rate for or something like that, you know? Right. And, and that's awesome that you are filling this need in your, in your community. Um, so congratulations on that. And, you know, I'm, I, I'm sure there's tons of folks out there who appreciate it. And I, you know, I wish you a lot of success with that in the future with whatever, however big or however much you want, you want to do with that. So, so very cool. Yeah, um, and, uh, and I, did mention I, I knew you were doing this and so I did point some in your direction not too long ago hopefully hopefully they made contact but um let's talk about your role at SIU um as a operating system subject matter expert yeah I I put on a lot of hats there okay. uh, luckily SIU being academia you know if you want to try something you can try it um I started tier two, tier three, full-time from my desktop support student worker role. So I had a good starting depth of how everything ran. Um, and one of, one of my tasks as a student worker was how can we re-image these computers faster? Mm, um, yeah. Because, you know, depending on how you do it and the technology an org uses, it can take anywhere from 40 minutes to two hours. And, and some, pe some people can't be down that long. And I'll tell you, and, and, and this is behind the scenes, just so you guys know out there, there's been times when I've sat for hours upon hours to get images done and pushed out before the beginnings of semesters and some of those images that we do in security class where you got you know 115 gigs of vms uh they take a while to push and if you find out like one of those ports has bumped down to 100 from a, a gig 
then things are going even slower. So, so yes, imaging and, and you can see behind me, you know, yes. this, this is, this is, this is a challenge. So you, you had that, uh, as one of your tasks, what did you choose? What tool? Um, oh gosh, Macrium. Macrium. Um, okay. It's, it was kind of an on the side thing of, I'm just going to try this tool and see how it works. Uh, built a kind of a test machine and was given, you know, licensing and all that stuff for our built a default image, scanned it, put it on another machine and, you know, domain joined them both, made sure they weren't going to argue with each other on whose name is what IP, you know, all the fun stuff. And it worked. And the first, it, it had it down to like 37 minutes. And I could, at, at that time, SCCM was just being introduced. So there wasn't a mass uniform software policy. It was kind of each department put their own spin on it. Yeah. So I, I created our, our gold image of what needed to be on there image did i think the first one took like 30 minutes and then most of the way through all the desktop support started using it and it got down to like 15 minutes for a re-image and you know as much as you don't want to just i'll re-image that too many problems we could save the data copy it over and re-image the machine in no time over a lunch break and it'd yeah. be back up and running and and when you get it streamlined and automated it really, you know, can be a, a no brainer uh, to do in an environment with a lot of the same types of machines. Obviously you can't do that when it's like your aunt's computer that's got ransomware. You can't just, here's an image. Right. Um, but I think that's a, you know, I think knowing how, um, how computers are rolled out and deployed in an enterprise environment is a, a really good thing to have experience with kind of just, the the process and you know um the infrastructure because i assume pixie boot and you know and and boot into network and getting images pushed that's kind of how it worked with the mac macrium it we never got it automated uh to that sense because the sccm team and kudos to them pushed sccm really fast and really hard through the org and it it overtook what we were doing uh, because pixie booting came around just fine and it it could do it 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 took an average about 40 minutes depending on machine and where you were at on campus but it it uh it came fast and ready and so we we transitioned to that pretty quick but for a while when it wasn't there macrium kind of kind of ran the show cool and sccm it's something that I never had available to me when I was uh, was working IT, uh, but it is, and I have to look up the name, or I have to look up what the acronym stands for, System Center Configuration Manager, a Microsoft tool that just is fully like capable uh, of doing tons and tons of stuff to help centralize and kind of streamline administration efforts. Um, going back to talking about imaging, you kind of made me jogged through my mind. I made a couple notes. So across the years, because I had this, one of my jobs in college was 
was imaging systems to send out to remote offices we were standing up at factories. Um, and so I've used Ghost uh, mm-hmm. and I've used something called Ping within iTech, Clonezilla, yep. uh, Fog. Um, there was one more, but all these different things that, and most of it was me working with students and student workers, having them set up new servers and trying the newest one because one of them broke and now they get to build it again. And uh, hopefully if they build something new, the image that you'd worked so hard on could transfer over and be used by the new server. So um, interesting, uh, interesting to know, stuff to know and to, to have to do and work with. Um, what else did you do up there? at SIU because you got a ton of different things on there and you talk about academia and how it's different and how they give you kind of the the blessing to kind of take on certain projects so you're you're talking about digital signage raspberry pis yep. splunk sccm mm-hmm. ad group policy talk about kind of the scope of the stuff that you did anything else cool that you learned or liked to work with or any projects you were in charge of while you were yeah. doing that yeah um so like what you mentioned earlier and I agreed the security mindset never leaves once it gets a hold of you uh you're always looking to patch something or close a window do whatever you can to protect the org or yourself um so I talking to at the time our technical director who was Will Clark who's now the CIO at SIU yeah. um I told him my interests. I told him what I'd like to do, what I wanted to try. And he just let me do it all. Uh, we had Splunk Enterprise. I'd never heard or used it. And I was like, so I talked to our Splunk admin. He was like, yeah, I'll get you a license key. You can do what you want. Built queries, built reports, had a lot of fun with it. Um, I've forgotten most of what I did with it, but, <laughs> but it'd come back if you had to get, get up there and do it again. Right. Um, so, and there was a class, I know Martin Habel is in, uh, aviation now. Yep. Uh, good guy, which I, I supported him out there, uh, which was a fun full circle item, but he had an Arduino class. I don't know if it's still offered or if it's transitioned to someone in iTech. You nice. Yeah. Yes, and 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 I have on here my notes to, for you to talk about this. So good yeah. because I remember when he handed this class over to me, I saw some of the projects, and I wanted you to tell us about your project because that's one that I remember hearing about, and I think seeing the video, or maybe you showed me the video, but it was a yeah. cool one. Tell me, tell us about your IoT Arduino project. Yeah, so that class. I loved it. I loved every second of it. It was hands-on. I could move a wire here, a resistor there, capacitor, Arduino board, write code to it to tell it to do whatever I wanted if I did it right. Um, So at the time, you know, being a transfer student, student worker, my wife and I had our first house already. And I love IoT, but I hate it at the same time, being security conscious. And we had a garage door opener with one remote. Um, And our end of the year projects came up for this class. And I was, I was really racking my brain on what to, what to do. What can I do to keep this around? 
instead of just be a novelty Arduino board that collects dust. So I created an IoT garage door opener with it uh, through a app called Blink. And I just had to connect two jumper wires to the garage door opener, set some code, duration. I had a read sensor on it to tell me if the door was open or closed. So if we left the house, I could open the app. Oh, it's open. I could hit close. You know, what, I, well, okay. tell me about the read sensor. And this is going into the weeds more than probably what anybody else wants to hear. But I want to know for this my class when I teach it in fall. Yeah. What, what kind of sensor was it? It was like a $2 sense magnetic sensor from Amazon. So uh, it was a, a closed and open when the garage yes. door touched. Okay. Yep. So I, uh, you know, screwed it to the garage door. Uh, and if it, I think if it read zero, I, I think I did it backwards, but if it was zero, it was open. If it read one, it was closed. Um, so once I got that coding done on it, which I think it was like four lines, I mean, it wasn't anything insane and this was within blink, right? <laughs> yeah. Or it was, okay. Yeah, this was within Blink. That was a fun thing. On the Arduino, there was no code to it. The Blink app kind of managed the entire thing, which now you have to pay for that app, I think. I think so. Um, and I, but yeah, so I connected the sensor and through the Blink app, you can have it read an LCD screen and have it virtually manage the Arduino. Um, so yeah, if the door was open, uh, it'd tell me. If it was closed, it'd tell me. And it, it's still a project that I use today in our garage. So how does it know to open your garage door when you're home? If you only have one garage door opener. So I had, that's a good point. So uh, the jumper wires went to two header pin outputs and it would just send, send power to it. And it was connected to the garage door opener to the manual screws that, if you send electric current through it, it would yeah trigger actually. But did you was there a GPS component or what? Did you tell it on your phone on Blink open the door when you got home? Yeah, yeah. There was a so there was no GPS as far as like if the phone had proximity to it, it would open. Um, okay. It was just a simple button for the header pin. Okay, cool. That would be cool, but at at the time we lived in town, and I would not want my garage door open open at all times. <laughs> Right. And if it was triggered by your location, you know, I could see walking around and you trying to trying to get something out of the garage and then walking out and having it trigger because your phone's right appearing, you know, like it had just arrived home or something like that. And, uh, and yeah, that was my in-school project. But then at, so after that, um, I still had another Arduino board. I forgot ESP. Just, I forgot the 82 actual. 8266? Yes, 8266. Well, we were given a old deep freeze by someone. Uh, they were like, we didn't have one. They were like, hey, you know, we bought a new one. This is older. I can't tell you how long it's going to last. Um, you know, like a 90s or something. Mm -hmm. Deep freeze, no temp sensor on it. So I added a Arduino temp sensor to it so I could constantly read the temp in case it did start failing. And then you know what you got to do. Got to get that meat out of there, right? For sure. Yeah. So that was just, Arduinos are so fun. Yeah. Awesome. And I'm, you know, this, this class has taken a lot of time, but my, my week or two in between, I'm doing some new stuff to get ready for that class. Cause, 
because we've had some cool projects too. That was one that I uh, specifically remember hearing about. Um, we also had one by, um, oh my gosh, I can picture his name. I can picture him. His name's not Todd, but um, he made one that was uh, used pneumatic pressure and a bunch of solenoids so that when he would put an empty beer or soda can inside a, a, a rack, it would load, crush it, and then yeah. push it out into a bucket. Um, and That's he, built, awesome. he built the entire thing. He may have even had stuff machined. Um, it was really, really impressive, you know, so there's been some, some neat stuff that, that students have, have done in that class. And I'm going to try to resurrect some, uh, some, some more projects in there. Um, we had another student, I can't remember if it was the Arduino class or if it was the Linux class, but he was a aviation tech, um, student. And so he built something with a raspberry Pi, and he had, he went and he bought some, um, additional antennas or interfaces so that he could uh read the the automated plane announcement stuff like when planes are transponders letting people know and it would it was kind of like this standalone open source box of of aviation communication uh with a little display that uh that they made and he actually got up into an airplane to try it out and see how it worked it wasn't communicating outbound it was listening yeah so Neat stuff, neat stuff. And, 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 and you know what, like, like what you said, like in an academia, you have like the ability to, to do things like that, you know, that's part of learning. It's part of, part of the fun of this job is being able to say, yeah, we could, we can figure out how to, to let a student work and learn this as part of the class or as part of some, some sort of deal. Um, yeah. So anything else while working at SIU that you want to talk about? Um. Yeah, I guess kind of my downfall of SIU into SIH. So uh, okay, the more so COVID hit, we were kind of sent to a hybrid, come in, don't stay too long type of item, but we had to keep the computers up and running. Uh, so I became really involved with automation in SCCM and uh, that opened the door for our AV admin to kind of show me the ropes of what he looks for, where he's looking. Well, the, the actual school I supported, which was TEC um, at that time. That's the Tech Transportation Education Center, which is aviation automotive out at the airport. Yes. Um, which now I think it's even got, I think Glenn Powell on there now uh, on the building, but there was a machine in the department I managed that triggered for malware. Um, and I just, I went wild on the investigation. Uh, I searched it in our admin uh, tool. I searched it in Splunk. I disconnected the machine locally checked everything and that just kind of you know it flipped that switch of okay this is this is where i want to be passionate in and surround myself with i had a great time with everything else i did but i was swarming too many projects 
and I wanted to kind of focus down to one breath. And that's where, that's where security came in to be. (laughs) Okay. So you were working at SIU when this weird, weird time where COVID hit and, and I was talking to a student uh, last week, Marquise, and he was a student that spring 2020, when we went out to spring break and nobody ever came back, you know, kind of, you know, uh, and, and so SIU, um, I don't want to get into COVID again, but (laughs) things changed everywhere. Things changed. Um, and, and, uh, for the better, for the worse and different, who knows, right. It's it's, every situation is different. Um, but so you had the opportunity to, you know, after, after kind of reigniting that, that interest in security, um, SIH is, is, you know, I don't know, SIU, SIH, which is the larger employer, probably SIU, I guess. Yeah, it, it's SIU. Okay. But SIH is second probably in S- in Southern yeah. Illinois. Okay. Um, and SIH, if you don't know, if you're outside the region, because we got some folks from, from other places is Southern Illinois Healthcare. And, and tell us about the organization. How many hospitals, four hospitals? Uh, yeah, four hospitals now, a uh, bunch of clinics, uh, you know, you got Memorial of Carbondale, Heron, St. Joe's, and Murfreesboro, and uh, Harrisburg Medical Center recently. Um, yeah, I've, I've had family, mom included, work for SIH as, you know, growing up as a kid, and my wife works there, and it there was an opportunity to jump from SIU to SIH and expand into a remote work role. Um, up until that point at SIU, I was inside every day, work hands-on working on stuff. And then mm-hmm. like, as you said, COVID hit, which for me was beneficial. I got to test remote working and I thought, oh, it's a full remote work role. It's still local. If I need to, I can still run to a facility. I can get that on-site fix. And, and yeah, and here I am two years in. And, and I think some of the good things that maybe came out of, of, of COVID were, you know, the ability for people to have more flexible work experiences, um, but also some companies have kind of leveraged that to be part of their business continuity plan. Um, and I think a lot of, uh, new use of of new new use of new tools for centralized admin, admin, administration and management of of like endpoints um you know if you if you were used to having to do things a little more hands on now you're remote you've got to figure out a better way to do it and so i think companies stepped up their game in that respect and that was maybe one of the 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 high points of of how covid changed things um, because right now you're doing security stuff, right? You are a cybersecurity engineer working from home, the full power of all the SIH security tools at your disposal in your arsenal, sitting there with your cat crawling over your lap. Yep. You know, uh, roughly 25 minutes away from the nearest facility. Awesome. Yeah. And what is your, I mean, what's your day to day like working as cybersecurity engineer at SIH? 
putting out fires no uh my day some days, that's, some days that's the truth i'm sure yes yeah some days it is uh so my day-to-day i like to stay up to date on any new cves or new threats they come out as any security professional i hope does yeah um so i like to spend some time researching that uh you know we have we have tickets that come through that sometimes are easy sometimes are difficult uh so we're we're kind of on a ticket queue we're task based uh updating firewall checking rav uh external vendor management as far as like letting you know vendors who don't have an sih computer still reach the org in a way because um, because it's a complicated environment right so you may yes. have you may have a specialized computer that runs uh a very very unique application to manage the mri right and that mri yes. has got to be able to to feed data into Epic, but also has to be able to get its updates and connected to remotely if somebody needs to fix it from outside. So that's what you're talking about with like these vendor right. connections and- Yeah, and, and a lot of those MRI systems, you know, that this is the part that is terrifying to me is, you know, you can throw all the money in the world at something, but it still doesn't fix old, vulnerable software yeah or hardware yeah um, so that's that's where our jobs here becomes difficult of how do we protect that because it's still a vital part of the business a vital part of the community <laughs> it's it has to work it's saving lives yeah and that has been a fun puzzle to put together and and I'll say I I just threw MRI off the top of my head, mm -hmm. not not saying specifically SIH has MRIs that are outdated, but right, yes. when you're when you're talking about you know specialized uh, specialized stuff like medical imaging equipment or stuff like you know my friend Nicole she deals with uh, IV pumps um, yep. and trans and infusion pumps and things that that are now networked and feed information into EMR. Um, and sometimes when you're in organizations and you have very specific tools or very specific machines that do something really important, we're going to use the MRI as an example, you know, that tool, because you spent $2 million on it and it sits here and it runs with these three servers and these three servers are not the support responsibility of SIH, right? They're from the company that built the MRI. And if you touch them, then you might be breaking your support contract. And right. guess, guess what? That, that, that one server, it's still running windows 2012. Uh, and, and the reason is because the company that builds the software to run it all, if they bump it up to 2016 or whatever, it breaks a certain component. And then that MRI doesn't work right. So exactly. And that's the reality of, of the, you know, the landscape of, of different organizations and the challenges, you know, I saw that in my manufacturing experience. We had Windows, you know, XP in 2000 and, and, and stuff like that when it was out of support. Um, but it ran the job or the, 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 the manufacturing equipment that it was supposed to. It was not broken. We didn't need to fix it. We needed to make sure 
that it was isolated and not able to be, you know, talked to and, and exploited. Um, and also made sure that, you know, because, because if you're talking an old piece of software operating system, you're oftentimes talking about old hardware. How do we make sure that old hardware continues to run? So tons of challenges. Um, what else do you do day to day? And, and I, I guess one thing you, you talk about like looking up and seeing what CVEs, which are, you know, what are common vulnerabilities that are out there that may affect software that you guys use. Um, how about like threat Intel? Um, do you do much with like looking at other health organizations? Uh, are there any like threat Intel sharing groups that you're a part of that say, because because oftentimes we see with some of these larger, more advanced threat actors, they find a way in to penetrate a, you know, a hospital system running a, a class of software that's common across hospital systems in, you know, in Ohio, and it worked and they got paid ransom. So now they're going to look at some others that are similar. Do you get like information shared? Or are you part of any groups that does that? Uh, yes, we are. Uh, there's a couple different groups we're a part of that, you know, we just look out for one another or we discuss what our current projects are and we share our, you know, I'm sure other industries do this. Yeah. But I mean, we're in a collaboration with hospitals across the region and, and I say hospitals, but it's like BJC, Mercy, uh, you know, St. Louis groups and it's with with budgets much larger than ours and we just kind of compare and contrast what we're doing what they're doing what they're seeing what we're seeing because you know yes we are a smaller hospital organization in a very specific region we're not we're not uh hackers are still going to look for us we're yeah. still holding patient information and like, and still <laughs> You know, if it's a if it's a group from Romania, they don't care that you're in southern Illinois, you know, a rural poor area or that you are the Mayo Clinic. You know, they don't care. A lot of times they don't even know at first who it is they're targeting. They know that there's somebody who clicked a link and now that they've got a, you know, a, a command and control channel back and boom, we're going to do ransomware, um, which is absolutely the scariest thing I can think of happening almost. Um, so, so yeah, that was, that's what I, I, I'm glad to hear that. I wanted students to be aware that there are these cybersecurity, uh, information threat Intel sharing, you know, because there's a ton of that in the, in, in the commercial space of threat Intel, but, you know, grassroots, we're all doing the same thing. We're all in the same region. We're all serving the same customers, even though we may be not for profit and this one's for profit, everybody wants you know, nobody wants a competitor, uh, especially in this area that keeps people healthy and well and saves lives. Nobody wants them to suffer a problem, you know, catastrophic security event. Right. And, you know, business wise, we are all competitors, but we all share the same goal. So mm -hmm. it's and there's pathways, you know, obviously people get sent from SIH to BJC. hospitals yeah bjc mercy uh name st. Louis, name st. Louis yeah. university yeah, yeah. salu um so yeah vanderbilt. one get vanderbilt yeah if one gets hit all of us could get hit like right. we're all in a way networked so yeah it's part of our day is 
you know, making sure we're as secure as we can be in those, in those realms. Uh, it's, you know, it's, we're all, you know, working from home and not having that like on site, we're all together type thing is, is wild, but we're an email chain away or a zoom teams, teams, whatever. Yeah. Right. But, uh, yeah, the day to day, it's some days it's very, very slow. You know, you got to fill your time with what you want. I like to do some continued learning. I have a try hack me subscription where I've been working on like an offensive mindset with their virtual machines just to get, you know, how do we know where we are safe if we don't know where we're vulnerable type thing. Um, yeah, so I, I like to do some continued learning, work on tasks, work on extended projects. Um, a big one we're working on right now is uh, micro segmentation across our network. Okay, so tell us um, what that means. Yeah, so micro segmentation back to the IV pumps and MRI machines that might be vulnerable if it's communicating to other internal uh, IPs or external IPs. We're segmenting them by basically vendor and what they do. Um, so breaking up your network devices into really, really small buckets and keeping those buckets from talking to other buckets of dissimilar devices. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's been a big project we've been working on in the past year and it's, it's making us, you know, more secure. If, you know, if something does happen, those patient systems are still safe and they can still communicate correctly. Cool. Yeah. And that's huge. I mean, the more you can categorize and, and break things down by, by vendor, by, you know, purpose, by operating system, the more, the more, you know, and the more things that you can categorize something by the, the more you can kind of funnel them into different security you know, postures, I guess. Um, so that's, that's, that's pretty neat. Glad to hear that. Uh, we have just a couple of minutes left. So, mm -hmm. um, any, any last things about SIH you want to tell us? Um, you know, moving from SIU to SIH, I was afraid I was going to lose that ability to kind of work on different projects. I, you know, go down different avenues, like I did so much at SIU, but I didn't, um, We've got a great, great outlook on the future for the org and the IT team itself is very strong, uh, hardware networks, software security wise. Um, so yeah, things are looking great. Um, I love who I work with and where I work for. That's awesome. And I imagine they've got some openings coming up, if not now, in the future. So we'll get some more SIU, some more iTech grads heading that direction. For sure, yeah. Uh, all right. So do you want to tell us a little bit about your car hobby? Yeah. Uh, so cars have been huge in our family. It's just, you know, hobby that we do. Uh, my, my dad had a 1970 Chevelle as his first car that he still has. Um, I got a... Camaro for my first car that I still have. Um, and then my grandpa's Chevelle that I recently inherited. We all, we'd all go to car shows ever since I had my license. And before that, we'd all just hang out on Saturdays with other 
car enthusiasts, it's it's really fun to troubleshoot and fix problems on something kind of vast and larger like that. And it's in your your cars that you're talking about. I mean, other than you said it was a 91 Camaro, is that right? Yes, sir. Yeah. So you've got a little bit of a more of the electronic like fuel injection, I guess. Probably. Yeah, it it's fuel injected. It does have an early, early computer in it that kind of tells it timing and stuff of that nature. Uh, so it's starting to get electronic. But the Chevelle, that's what, like a 454 or? So what? mine, mine's a 396. 396, okay, so that's the one step below? Yeah, one what step that, below. What is that, like a 5.7 or something like that? Oh man, I so, think it's like a six point something actually. 6.2 or something. Yeah. So a big engine making yes, a lot of big horsepower. Block. <laughs> uh and and there's no computers in there right you're just doing it the old-fashioned way if you got to make some adjustments yeah so my my grandpa wanted he bought it oh it's a 6.5 liter i wanted to look it up yeah i wasn't wasn't sure gotta know um he bought it to drag race it so he wanted no power anything it has manual brakes manual steering manual trans uh, raced it a handful of times, then parked it. It was like, I don't want to destroy it. So there's 12 wires to the thing. It is, I need three or four hands to drive it and four or five <laughs> feet because it, it is a handful. But fun, right? Are you do? did you take it out and do some like drag strips? So no, um, it's, so it is all original 52,000 miles. It's kind of a time capsule at this point. So you're keeping it nice. Yeah. I'm, and by original, I mean like we just changed, I just changed the spark plugs out, the original plugs out of it in spring. Like oh, it, it, okay. it is how it came from the factory outside of a handful of maintenance items. So I, I mainly just cruise it, keep it oiled up and enjoy it and show it. When you um, when you switched the spark plugs, did you take advantage of the newer spark technology? Anything fancy, or is it just kind of the straight old stuff? Straight old stuff. Cool. I just went back with what it had. Good, awesome. Uh, so, if you are ever heading up to take your vehicles to one of the local car shows, send me a message. I'd like to. I might. I take my son to to shows whenever we can go. We don't have any cars other than my. Super badass 2015 beige Subaru <laughs> Forester. Nice. With hail dents all over the hood now. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, we, there was a car show and, and Carbondale a little get together. And I did bring when it was right in a brand new, my, my wife's Honda Odyssey, you know, nice. 20, 2022 <laughs> and, and parked it eh, maybe like five or six spaces over from where everybody else was. But yeah, I, I opened the doors, you know, popped, popped, the, popped pop the hood, yeah. not the hood, the trunk, but <laughs> right. But, but definitely if you're out and about and you're taking your car someplace, hit me, hit me up. Let me know. I'd like, I'd like to go up and see it. We'll do for sure. All right. So we're going to have, uh, what advice do you have for students who are preparing to enter the tech field? Uh, get your networking information down. I, I, I know it's screamed, it's yelled from the rooftops. Just get your TCP IP, IPv4, just nail all that. The protocols. The stack, just, right? The stack, yeah. It's 
I, th- I thought I was going to be desktop support. So I, I knew it, but I didn't know it. And now in security, it's ingrained. So yeah, get that down and explore avenues, explore every tech avenue out there. There's, there's so many, there's risk, uh, security, you know, uh, hardware, they're just server administration. Healthcare IT in general is so big. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you've got multiple avenues to try something. So just try it, see what you're passionate about, see what you love. Cool. All right. Five fun questions to wrap up. You ready? Let's go. What's your favorite kind of food or restaurant here uh, or, or elsewhere? Ooh. So locally it's going to be the hideout in Marion. The steak place. Yep. Okay, cool. Uh, Any books, movies, TV shows, podcasts that you've been enjoying recently that you'd like to recommend? Uh, On Hulu, The Bear. That's the most recent one. Okay, so I've heard that three times this summer, and uh, and then just in in this in this class in this podcast recording. So uh, that's on my list. And podcast wise, uh, Darknet Diaries. Uh, Yeah, yeah, that one's great. um this it's kind of a bummer it 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 shifted it's you know it's a little less frequent now than it was but still a great show yeah okay uh awesome um is there an area of technology that you're interested in learning about more personally or for work oh more server administration I'd like to be able to know the ins and outs of whether it be virtual or hardware to have a better breadth of that. Just to get back into some of those, what's, what's, what's modern, what's the the developments in the last years, because things have changed a lot. So uh, what do you think you'd like to be doing five to 10 years from now? Um. I'd like to still be in security in some form or fashion, whether that be offensive and pen testing or uh, stay in blue team. Cool. And lastly, if you could retire today and do anything you want with money being no object, what would it be? Ooh, uh, travel and visit. Travel would be the first one. And then kind of subset of that would be tracks around the world there's an amazing motorsport community worldwide and i'd like to visit as many of those as i could pretty cool my son's been recently watching this um uh f1 series um i don't know what it is drive to survive maybe it's got a lot of potty language uh yeah and the guy seems really kind of over the top but uh uh, he really enjoys that, and he's telling me about how great and how much talent and skill it takes to to drive on some of those tracks. Um, yes, but awesome. Well, Taylor, I really appreciate your time today. This has been a lot of fun. I love catching up with former students and especially hearing uh, and seeing how well they're doing. So, congrats to you. Keep kicking butt, and uh, and and we'll talk again soon. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me on. 